Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, come on, first Wednesday, how are you guys doing? Man, it feels good in here today. Thank you so much for joining us. If you don't know who I am, my name is Andrew Garcia, and I'm one of the teaching pastors here at LifePoint Church. And thank you so much for those of you who are watching online. We love you guys. Those who are in the room, give it up for those online. We are one family, even in our many locations. So thank you guys for showing up today. We so, so, so appreciate it. Now, it's first Wednesday, and I'm going to kind of just dive on into what I feel like I need to talk about this evening and the word of God that I think is in my heart. And it's, it's interesting because I feel like, and this is for myself included, that so many Christians, so many followers of Jesus live lives that lack the fruit of freedom. And it's, it's incredibly heartbreaking when I see how often we get in the own way of our faith. And I was trying to figure, there was such a tension from when to figure out why is this, why does this happen? Why does it happen in my life? Why does it happen in the lives of so many Christians that I see around me? And I think the problem is that we exist in the already and the not yet, meaning we exist in the kingdom come and the kingdom coming. You see, the tension of faith is knowing what truth is, but not having experienced truth yet. And this is where, this is where we get got, if I can use that kind of poor grammar, when it comes to faith. Because for some reason, when we're supposed to trust and lean into God's word, be obedient to the path, when the trials and the temptations and the test of life comes, as we actually have been studying throughout James, somehow we allow the shakenness of the circumstances to let God's word prove unfruitful in our lives. And I think, I think this is why Jesus continually told his disciples to take heart. And we also find a passage of scripture where Jesus, before he's going to be crucified, he knows what's about to happen. He tells them, don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving you alone. And I want to show you guys this passage. He says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. <laughs> like not just in this life, but also in the life to come forever. Even the spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you, in me. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Let a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me. And I in you, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. 
Then Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and, he, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you, while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will bring you to remembrance all that I have said to you. Tension of faith is knowing what's true, hearing what's true, knowing that we're supposed to be set free from all sin, from all change, from all bondage, but then having to trust God that when the struggle of sin comes, with his help, with the advocate of the Holy Spirit, that the life that he intends to bring out of us will prove itself fruitful when we persevere. And when we fail, have you noticed, because we so often fail, if we're honest, have you noticed how quickly our hearts come at us? You're not worthy. You aren't faithful enough, religious enough. I told you God wasn't real. I told you it can't be true for you. In faith, so often we become our own worst enemies. Faith is a struggle for us because often even being aware of truth we struggle to allow truth to live itself out in our lives. And when the struggle gets real and when we feel like we're failing, at least for myself, I know that there are tendencies where I just honestly, quite honestly, am so sick and tired of it, I just want to throw in the towel. And the older I get, the more that I realize I am my own worst enemy. And when it comes to my faith, my own hearts and thoughts will undermine my faith in God the Father to come through on my behalf. And we are so good. We are so good at condemning ourselves, aren't we? And I think, I think this is why John writes, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our heart condemns us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. To which I asked myself, because I like to play the devil's advocate. Anybody in here got a little bit of issues. If God knows everything, how is that truth supposed to put my heart at rest? Because I mean, hello, God, you see the daily warring in my mind. So how does that truth how is it supposed to put my heart at rest? The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Do you see the theme that's occurring over and over and over? We abide in him in the words he says the advocate comes along, supports us, sustains us, helps give us life. And when we lean into that truth consistently through the fight, that's when faith finds footing. And what are the commands? 
that he's talking about? What are the commands that John is mentioning here? In the verse ahead, he says, and this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. And this is what I think God wants to remind you and me today in this place, that we do not walk alone. And this isn't, this is such an important principle of the the Christian faith. And so often I don't think we take enough time to really dwell on the reality, the significance, the privilege of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit is someone that we commune with, the presence of God that we do life with. And sometimes I think we miss this because we read scripture where scripture says, and we will be filled with the spirit. And the imagery that comes to mind is as if I would take a a bottle of water and a a glass and I can pour it in and as, as if I can get more of it. And if I can acquire more of something, if I can have two gallons instead of one, then it becomes this technique, this thing that I'm trying to achieve. How can we have more spirit? Is it the worship? Then let's just do more intense worship. But the Spirit of God is not a force. The Spirit of God is a person. And to be filled with a person requires us to change our approach. To be filled with a person is to be aware, catch this, of their presence. To be filled with a person is to be aware of their presence, to acknowledge them in the room. It's recognizing their closeness, their proximity to us. And the best way to understand this is by painting a picture of when you were first falling in love. Because when you're falling in love, you are so consciously and acutely aware of the other individual that the things that normally bother you don't bother you. You ever notice this? That's why they call it tunnel vision. You fall into love. You're so caught up in the moment that the other things that normally should matter melt away. This tunnel vision right, heightens your level of emotional, intellectual, sometimes, and physical awareness. And you become amazed at how willing this person is to come near to you, to choose you, to be with you. And this is the kind of conscious awareness that we need to have with the Holy Spirit living within us. You see, because when we're around someone that you're in love with, we carry ourselves differently than we normally do, don't we? You talk differently. You're more intentional with what you say and how you say it, how you think. And it's interesting to me that Peter writes in 2 Peter 1, chapter uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 4, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may come partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. What sinful desire? Your sinful desire my sinful desire, the nature that constantly sows seeds and sin against the word of God. The presence of which we have freedom from, but until we go with God into glory, we're not broken from the real sin that's around us. 
but we can be partakers of a divine nature, God's essence that fills us, which is such an incredible statement because there, it, means, it means there is no wound too deep, no habit too binding, no damage so broken that God's essence can't find in your life. There's no darkness so deep that God can't shine a light on it and help you see a way out and find hope. And when it seems... When it seems that we are failing, the Holy Spirit, God's presence, reminds us that we are free. And Paul writes, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by flesh could not do. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Then catch this. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So what is the Holy Spirit doing? The Holy Spirit is reminding us that yes, your sin, yes, your brokenness is an issue, but the debt that you owe has already been paid. You don't remain a slave to what you've been given freedom from. So don't continue to dwell in the sin that stains your life. No, rip out the seeds of sin and be reminded of what the Savior has done. That is what God's Spirit communicates to our spirit. And when the going gets tough, we have to be reminded of what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. That's what the Spirit of truth does. It reminds us what's true for us. 2 Corinthians 2, 10 through 13, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except for the Spirit of that person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thought of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received... Not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And when we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Do you understand? This is why James tells us, be here, don't just hear the word, do what it says. God's word is given to us to help guide our paths, to help us navigate life. Have you noticed that at times the truth in God's word comes to life in a new way that arouses the heart? Where truth doesn't just make sense in your mind, God comes to life in your heart. God desires that we would walk in step with the Spirit, not to be condemned by the Spirit, but to be convinced, I've already given you freedom. Push through. You are no longer bound by this sin. Push through. You have to endure the trial so you can learn to trust me in faith, to learn to step out on my word and let it do its work. That is how we walk in the freedom so many of us feel so far from. 
my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, not only for ours, but the sins of the world. And what an incredible picture this paints for me and you. Because Jesus stands as the defense witness over our case, standing before God, reminding God that the judgment he's seeking for the crime that I stand accused of has already been paid for. And you cannot ask for a payment of a debt that's already been satisfied. So now that we know we're free, walk in freedom. Jesus says, be reminded of what is rightly yours. Go and sin no more. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commands us. Sin complicates what is so simple. Sin complicates the truth that is so simple. Jesus is the author and perfecter of your faith. You are not. Your job, our work, is to continue to trust in the words that we read and push through and push through. That when we have those thoughts that we hand them over, And when we're speaking those words of death to ourselves that we are reminded, no, 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 that's not how a child of God walks. That's not the thought life that I'm supposed to be entertaining. Jesus Christ has given us so much freedom. Why do we continue to walk and struggle in the sin? It's real tension. But how can God come through on your behalf if you're not willing to trust him? to do his. In the moment, it's hard to see the freedom that we've yet to live out, but be obedient. In the moment, it's hard to see the freedom that you've yet to live out, but be obedient. In the moment, it's hard to see the freedom that's already been given to you, but be obedient and push through and see the freedom that you have been given to the cross. We know truth, but to experience truth, you have to endure the walk of faith. And the walk of faith then finds root when you allow it to come true. Continual obedience to believe that you're free. Walk in the freedom that Jesus has come to give you. Continually put trust in the revelation of Jesus, the power and presence of the Holy Spirit and the righteousness that has been imputed to you through Jesus from the Father. And see, see what work can begin to take place when you trust, when you trust what Jesus has already done. Can we bow our heads? Heavenly Father, this room is filled with followers, people who claim Christianity, but for some reason lack the fruit thereof. God, for some reason, when the going gets tough, we get sidelined. We don't allow your words to really take root because when it starts to get too hard, we throw in the towel too quickly. 
And then we allow the inner man, the accuser to speak lies into our life, to sow seeds that are not true of who we are in you. Help us to recognize the voice, your voice in us, the Holy Spirit communicating and telling us you are free. You are free. Walk in the freedom that Jesus has given you. Because when you trust him, when you trust his word, it comes to life in new ways. God, help us to have new eyes to see you moving and working in our lives. Help us to trust your presence, your spirit, to have an awareness of who is in the room of our hearts. Help us to hand you those thoughts, the desires that we have, that have no place in our hearts, but that we so often let linger God, help us to put our faith in you and to trust your word and to step out in obedience. Even when it doesn't make sense, when we step out on obedience, we can recognize that you are good to your word, that you are a good father who wants to see good things coming through our lives for your glory and our benefit. God, help us to recognize the work that you're doing in us. In your name we pray. Amen. I want to take this moment, for those of you who would like to join us, to go ahead and do communion with us. The communion cups are under your chair. And let's go ahead and stand at this moment if you don't mind. I'm reminded I'm reminded that as the body of Christ we together are we are one family and we have that opportunity because of the price that Jesus paid on the cross for our sins and the beautiful thing about that is not only does God stand with you, but when you look to your left and your right in this room right now, you see brothers and sisters in Christ. We together stand, we stand together. You're not going through what you're going through in life alone. And that's because of what Jesus did, the price he paid for you and me, the stripes that he took on his back, bind us together as one body. When we say we believe in you and we're going to live out your word to love one another well. And maybe you're in this place today and you've gotten forgiveness from God, but you don't have healing. What the word tells us is that forgiveness comes from God, healing comes through God's people. And so maybe you're in this place and you're gonna need some prayer today. We're gonna have prayer partners that'll be located at the back. And I would encourage you that if there is a hole that you feel that you cannot get healing from, to take it to our prayer partners and have somebody, your brother and sister in Christ, pray with you because Jesus has healed it already. So Heavenly Father, we take this bread in remembrance of the work that was done on the cross, the stripes that you took on your back to give us healing.
by your stripes, we are healed. We claim it and we believe it. In your name we pray. And next, the cup. The blood that reminds us of the covenant that we have with God, the freedom that comes, the freedom that we're talking about is possible because of the debt that was paid on our behalf. Jesus paid the price that you and I could never pay. The perfect sacrifice. God coming down in flesh to cover you and to cover me. And I don't know what sin you've walked into this place with. And maybe you're like, oh, sin's a a big word. It's a word I don't enjoy. Then whatever brokenness you've walked in with, the blood of Jesus covers that. Don't, Don't stand here in chains that Jesus has already unlocked and given you freedom from. The battle's hard, the struggle is real, but walk in the freedom that is found in Christ because of the price that he paid. He does not condemn you. The Holy Spirit is trying to tell you, you can walk in new life. You can become a new creature. You can walk with a new awareness and reality of what he has done for you each and every day, but you have to walk each and every day. Let's take the juice. I just spilled it all over myself. Let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for having your presence, God, here in this place. God, I pray, Lord, for each and every one of my brothers and sisters in Christ. God, that you would help us. God, strengthen our hearts to know that you are not only here, but that you have today, if they have come in this place, if they're watching online, that you have already come with their breakthrough. Help us to recognize that, to step out, to grab that, and to walk in the truth that we are already free. In your name we pray, amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.